Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. Responsible AI at the VA. And securing access for over 700,000 sailors. It's Thursday, March 30th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. The first ever CrowdStrike Government Summit is now less than two weeks away. Learn how cybersecurity leaders at the White House, the Department of Defense, CISA, and more are leveraging different capabilities, tactics, and technologies that will protect their agency and power their efficiency. It's all happening Tuesday, April 11th at the Washington, D.C. Marriott Marquis. You can learn more and register for the event at govsummit.crowdstrike.com. The National Artificial Intelligence Institute is responsible for AI research, implementation, policy, and collaboration at the Department of Veterans Affairs. NAII was founded in 2019 and places experienced AI staff in medical centers and VA offices nationwide. Gil Altarovitz is director of NAII and VA's responsible artificial intelligence official. In this interview with my Scoop News Group colleague Mike Farrell, Altarovitz explains where his organization has made the most progress in the past year. And now when we think about progress over the past year, we're really setting the foundations now for the future. So we had uh, recently come up with our VA AI strategy uh, and have been working on uh, implementation of that. At the same time, there are other foundational uh, pieces that are being laid laid out uh, throughout the federal government. The, the White House Bill of Rights, AI Bill of Rights has come out, uh, which can help in shaping the, and ensuring that we have trust for the AI. There's a continuing of the an executive order 13960 on, on uh, trust for the AI within the federal government. Um, and most recently, another executive order 14091 on advancing equity. And it has a piece on advancing equity in AI. So we are now creating this uh, trust with the AI framework that incorporates these and a number of other uh, actual frameworks to ensure that we have trustworthy AI within the VA. That is one of our accomplishments this year, and, and we're doing that in a way that we can capture uh, AI use cases uh, across the VA. We will uh, be publicizing those uh, outside, um, and then using that to leverage uh, those use cases to understand how we can develop further and move forward uh, within the AI space. So can you give us a little bit of background on, on the Institute? Yeah, the National Artificial Intelligence Institute at the VA was uh, set up around 2019, right around Veterans Day, um, and its goal was to build that AI uh, capacity, uh, particularly and specifically being able to leverage R&D and other technologies to uh, improve the lives of uh, veterans, uh, their caregivers uh, and families and those around them. Um, our, our goal was to really, and has been, to ensure that we can um, develop AI uh, within the VA in a way that uh, promotes trust for the AI, right? Um, you want to make sure that uh, for AI to be adopted, it's very important for it to be trusted first. That's how um, AI can make a difference, by being adopted, right? And to be adopted, you need trust. Um, so we've really focused uh, some of the initial efforts around building trustworthy AI, uh, both policies, systems, pilots, 
um, and language within uh, contracting to make sure that those principles which are embedded in different frameworks that we are uh, putting together are all embedded in, in the uh, actual uh, projects that we do. Perfect. What's one example of how AI has made a difference in helping your agency's employees work more productively? Yeah, well, actually, there's a number of areas. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to see. You know, we've been here just a, a couple years now, really, but um, and have grown quickly. Uh, and yet, there are a few projects that really kind of stick out as making a difference. We have a, a project, uh, Aspire, um, which is basically an all-services personnel institutional readiness engine. It's really all about getting um, the veterans to essentially develop new skills, understand where uh, they can move in terms of having new types of uh, jobs going forward given the skills that they do have um, and developing a career training path that will help them move forward. Um, so that, that's going to be very helpful uh, as, we as we look to have new data scientists especially, right, to be able to have people have paths to get to that, right, from where they are. We've seen everyone from pharmacists to, you know, obviously certain computer scientists go into data science, right, and they do that through sometimes their own training or other approaches. And uh, Aspire is one way uh, that we're thinking can do that in a more automatic way rather than having each individual one have to look through in, in many different channels to find out their individual path. Uh, another thing that we have that's already making a difference, uh, the AI tech sprints. So we've had a number of these, um, and some of them have been so successful uh, where we have these three-month engagements around a theme of interest to veterans. Uh, some of them, like I was saying, have been so successful that essentially they've led to, after the award ceremony was over, they continued and they led to contracts and uh, cooperative research and development agreements and other mechanisms that have a much longer uh, time and uh, then it can actually lead to uh, products being used uh, within the VA. And, and so seeing that difference right there. Um, you know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, there's just a number of different ones that, that I've seen over the years, uh, you know, just to close, there's another one, the uh, Digital Command Center, um, looking at using AI and, and, uh, and other uh, approaches to understand efficiency uh, within the field, to know, you know when beds may be available, when certain resources are constrained, giving you the kind of that dashboard view so you can make decisions. At the same time, being able to integrate, because of the way the technology is developed, uh, AI R&D modules so you can test out new approaches. Two and one. So can you explain to me exactly what Aspire is and tell me if it applies only to the VA? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so Aspire really, when you think about it, it is essentially a computer adaptive approach, right? Imagine that you are trying to learn a skill or you have a, we're trying to understand what skills you've learned. Um, what you can do is have a computer ask questions and then adaptively uh, figure out, uh, ask questions for you so that it can figure out your skill level in an adaptive way, right? Um, so that's what's kind of one of the pieces that's unique because it can create a customized uh, trajectory uh, toward your career education based on that adaptive test, right? Um, the other thing is, as you mentioned, does it only apply to the VA? Well, we found uh, by others 
by interest of others that the answer is no. Uh, we thought, you know, and we have been leveraging in the VA, but we were approached by, uh, there are now a total of six agency partners across many different environments. So we're not only talking about like defense, we're talking about health agencies and the Department of Labor and, you know, so there's, it's, it's all across the gamut and we're all hearing the same thing. They want to have the same kind of platform for their needs. They have the same issues where it's like they want to be able to customize plans for uh, trajectories, career trajectories for their employees. And so there's, this is now being developed as a, as a team. Um, so uh, the VA has taken on uh, spearheading a few of these uh, AI tech sprints and uh, a few things like that. We just had some results at the National Press Club uh, with some of the winners of that, which has accelerated our development plan by about uh, 10 months. Um, and now we're seeing interest by agencies and, uh, and also higher up within the administration as well. You can learn more about the National Artificial Intelligence Institute at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Department of the Navy is responsible for securing network access for over 700,000 sailors across the globe. Tony Plater is the department's chief information security officer, and in this discussion with my Scoop News Group colleague Wyatt Cash, Plater explains how his organization is making that happen. We've been accelerating our transition to cloud has been a priority. We know that modernization of our infrastructure as a prerequisite is key, and we've been working at doing that diligently. As you may be aware, the Department of Navy published a capstone design concept for information superiority, which reflects a goal of being able to securely move information from anywhere to anywhere. So a key concept. So in this doc, in this design, in this environment for cloud, we've moved over 700,000 sailors and marine to the cloud, and which is known as this Don flank speed environment, which is built in Microsoft Azure. You know, our flank speed implementation is pacing the DOD and representing a mature and secure cloud environment. So I'll talk a little bit. So what does it mean when we start talking about firewalls in relationship to now we talk about zero trust? The role of firewalls and perimeter defense is changing. You know, in our legacy implementation of firewalls, our perimeter was based on security. Intrinsically, that it trusts everyone inside, suggesting that if uh, if anyone originates from inside a trusted private or network segment that we could, you know, it was free of malicious intent. But that formal sense of trust and control evaporated. So the firewall policies were unable to keep up. So now it, we're changing. It's rapidly transforming our systems to escape those legacy thinking and legacy architecture. So the Don, we're embracing zero trust and taking the opportunity to ensure that modernization incorporates firewalls but it comes from a different approach and a different uh, perspective of how they're using our security architecture. We're more focused on zero trust coupling with network segmentation, which is a more effective model. So this, is, this ensures that we are we secure identities of the applications, the users, the hosts are all authenticated. So I'm seeing that a multi-cloud network environments scale dramatic dynamically in real time. So I need the role of firewall the wells is changing as a perimeter has changed. And we have now started to implement and try to mature zero trust. Well, I appreciate the, um, just the magnitude of what uh, that involves, but I'd like to also explore a little bit about 
the increasing volume of traffic that agencies are facing, particularly at the Department of Navy, how, how has the, 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 that increase in volume of traffic and the need to encrypt and decrypt traffic reshaping your views of what modern firewalls actually need to accomplish to facilitate all that data? So when I refer to modern firewalls, I kind of refer to them as next generation firewalls, as we just kind of talked about the way we used firewalls and what the expectation continue to change. As we move more and more data, as we have attempted to move more and more information to the cloud, then firewalls take on a much more expanded role. We expect firewalls to be smarter than we had before. So we're always looking for how to use AI and ML within that capacity. We, when we talk about traditional firewalls, they have become you know, less of a focal point in the enterprise network in our enterprise security architecture for a variety of, pur of purposes. You know, ubiquitous use of mobile devices and cloud computing um, have expanded the traditional network perimeter specifically the Don perimeter. So I see next generation firewalls versus our traditional or previous use of firewall as being deployed in support of hybrid cloud network security, offering consistent controls. And also, as you said, they must handle the volume of information that's being passed. As I mentioned earlier, one of the core, tenant, core tenants of our capstone and document is being able to share information anywhere any time. So we employ, we must employ our firewall technology that must be able to decrypt and encrypt large amounts of traffic at speed. So looking forward, uh, firewalls are look, continue to look for the advancement and key technological developments of artificial intelligence and ML and how we leverage and use them a little differently now that we look at our architecture differently as we approach zero trust. Can you point a little bit toward how your infrastructure and security modernization efforts over the last year or two or so um, are really starting to pay off with a stronger or more dynamic perimeter security? Well, we're not complete. We are focused on modernizing. If you've you know, been following the Department of Navy, you know, we have the Information Superiority Division. And that vision has several pillars. Of course, one is based on innovation. We know we must innovate. The other is modernize. We know we must modernize. And of course, the pillar I'm responsible for is defend. So we are focused on modernizing. And cloud and mobile computing have all but blurred the network, the traditional network perimeter. Uh, mobile users access Microsoft 365. They, alpha, they, they access our software as a service, our SaaS applications and cloud-based cloud applications. And in many cases, we're now allowing where we never touch internal networks. We have increased remote users and these remote users go and access the cloud as needed. So that all of that has led to a much more dynamic perimeter. Uh, and it, pro, and it, it requires us to take an approach to cybersecurity or network security that accounts for that. And to give you an example, this is very evident in the case of our flank speed implementation, which is you know, a Don cloud-based system that I mentioned earlier. This Microsoft 365 implementation is serving as our North Star. You know, this flank speed zero trust solution, or which incorporates many of the zero trust. Um, capabilities and because of course zero trust is a destination 
uses Microsoft uh, Defender Endpoint, which provides near real-time awareness of behavior of aberrant network behavior. So we're better positioned to identify breaches. So all of this is playing into how we view security. Uh, it plays into our strategy and roadmap for ultimately uh, uh, maturing zero trust throughout the enterprise. And it's providing us uh, near the near real-time awareness of the uh, unwanted events on the network. So all of that is playing into giving us a, a, a better picture of what we have on the network, a better picture of what's changing on our network. And I think this is really paying off and giving us a stronger, more dynamic uh, defense enabled by a more dynamic perimeter. And lastly, Tony, you alluded to zero trust initiatives. Can you talk a little bit about how the coordinated efforts at DOD and within Navy around zero trust, how particularly around network environments, you know, how is that reshaping your top security priorities, uh, uh, let's say in the coming year? So I think, you know, when I talk about zero trust and I, I think of uh, all of the many tenants of zero trust, you know, least privilege, um, uh, you know, only granting access to authenticated users, devices. Many of these we've talked about have been cybersecurity objectives, but the zero trust and the executive order and the emphasis by governors have now become a catalyst for getting those things done and for moving forward. So understanding now that it's a, uh, it's a directive has helped us to reshape our security priorities and when we couple zero trust with under couple that with threat informed uh, decision making, understanding what the actual threats are on our network, understanding our attack surface, all this gives us now a better roadmap and priority for how we're going to undertake uh, a modern a modernization of our network and those cybersecurity requirements. We've been working very closely with the DOD Zero Trust Portfolio Management Office, which helping us to make sure. Uh, we are, are in sync with uh, the capabilities that are required of zero trust, what those activities that are listed in, this, in the DOD zero trust strategy. And we have been an advocate for making sure that the zero trust strategy accounts for our um, disconnected uh, uh, communication uh, constrained D-deal environments and for weapon systems. Because as you know, in each one of those environments, there'll be slightly differences in how you meet and address zero trust. But equally, when we start talking about our enterprise solution, you know, we built that whole zero trust uh, environment uh, from a, a green field that underpins our operations and flank speed. And we're working very hard to expand our naval identity service, uh, which we refer to as NIST. Each of these makes a compelling case for why we think we're moving in the right direction as we continue to shift from a network-centric network -centric approach to a data-centric approach. And all of this is in line with the high coordination with the DOD CIO. Well, Tony Plater, uh, thank you so much for joining us and sharing some of your insights about your efforts uh, around improving security and network modernization at the Department of Navy. Really appreciate it and appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you for the opportunity. You can learn more about the Navy's cybersecurity posture at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. 
Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.